You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Friday, so it's time for the weekly wrap. And with me this week is Arnu Smith from Sky Blue Fund Managers in the Western Cape. Arnu, I have to say, I did send a tweet out this morning saying that I was scared and genuinely having a panic attack because I've reflected on what's gone on this week. And I'm not normally one of these people that worries about such things because in the past we've always got over it. And everyone I speak to, the optimists say, don't worry about it. South Africans are so stoic and uh, we've been here before and we will get out of it just like we have done before. I don't know if that argument washes anymore because politically behind the scenes, there must be something going on. Cyril Ramaphosa's authority seems to be unraveling a little bit. Uh, the economy is completely disastrous, catastrophic, and the RAND is going on a run. And um, unfortunately, it's going to affect every single person from the poorest to the richest if the RAND does uh, threaten to do what it's done in the past. But this time it could be meaningful and structural and stay there instead of bouncing straight back. Am I wrong to be worried? Yeah, look, uh, when, when you started that conversation, I thought you were talking about the cricket, uh, the Pritias in the World Cup. Uh, oh, no, I mean, no, that's just familiar. the icing on the cake, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, as if every kind of you woke up this week after you've watched the three losses in a row now, and then you've got this news coming out, and, and you see the rant saying, oh, it's not, it's not a great time to be in South Africa. Um, yeah, look, it, it's testing. Um, I think what one needs to do is, is go back and, Look at the facts, um, you know, what was said and who said it and when was it said. And it seems as though this was not being, the message was not from the entire NEC. So it wasn't the top six who made this comment. It almost seems as though Ace Magashule, uh, he slipped it into into the actual media briefing. Just remind us what you're talking about, please. Yes, remember that they, they had a meeting, um, uh, the ANC, to, to discuss some of the issues and um, then they broke into different commissions, as I understand it. And the one was the, the Economic Commission. And in this commission, apparently, they did discuss nationalization of the Reserve Bank. But it wasn't the, the main, um, one of the main points that came out of the commission. Then um, afterwards, Ace Magashuri, then, then he had to address the media after they had reconvened and given feedback from the different commissions. And um, it was never the intention from the NEC to make this part of the media briefing. So he slipped it in. And and, and then he made the comment when where he said a uh, quantity instead of quantitative easing. Yes. And, um, and, 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 he, and, he, and he spoke openly about um, nationalization of, of the Reserve Bank. Now, remember, this is something that comes from 2017 already from NASREP. It was discussed. Um, nationalization was a big theme, and so was expropriation of land. So uh, you've definitely got two factions within the ANC. I think that's very clear. Um, the one is the populist socialist side, and the other one is the more capitalist market, uh, free market type of leaders like Ramaphosa himself. So there's definitely infighting within the ANC, but I think what, what one needs to remember is that Tito Mbeweni is also part of the NEC. Um, there was another person who's also part of the NEC who also was fairly outspoken against the, the nationalization of, of the Reserve Bank. Um, and even if the Reserve Bank ownership were to change, that's not the main concern. The main concern was what, what was highlighted by, by Marshall Lee. It was, was the, the broadening of the actual mandate. Um, to focus not only on price stability but also on economic growth and job 
growth. Um, and, and the market sort of took this and nationalization of the Reserve Bank and put the two together and said, well, here we go. And obviously the quantitative easing comment and said, well, here we go, next Venezuela, next Turkey, um, here we come. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the case. Um, afterwards, we've seen a lot of Ramaphosa allies trying to, to, to put out the fires, so to speak, and Tito Mouveni being one of them. But clearly, you, you've got a rift within the whole country, um, not only within the ANC. I think you can see this line straight through South Africa. The EFF and the socialist type of politicians on the one side and the other on the other side, you've got the capitalist and uh, free market type of players. And... Uh, you know, it's not only in South Africa we have this currently. We've spoken about this last week as well. The globe is in a geopolitical crisis, if you want to put it that way. Yes. In the States, you've got exactly the same problem. Um, the, the president attacking the Federal Reserve in the States. Um, in China, you've got some sense of it, but China is different because it's a single-party country and it's it's communist by nature, so... It's, it's the, 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 the system in China is not comparable to what's happening in South Africa. We exactly, are a well-developed exactly. democracy. They are not a well-developed democracy. And it's exactly. a controlled economy. But in a way, I can't really say too much here, but in a way, the population of China responds to a controlled economy and has done. And it works six and a half, seven days a week. I'm being... I'm yeah, generalizing it does here. Work. It, it does work. One should be careful if you say it works. Um, now, remember, like you say, we are generalizing. I'm not an expert on China. I've been there a couple of times. And, and um, within the group, we've, we've got an office on Hong Kong. So we do get some exposure from it. So, yes, China does work. And the people is uh, sort of used to this communist uh, type of system with a one-party system because it's not it's not entirely communist Um uh, there's there's bits of China which is more capitalistic than any, anywhere else in the world. So uh, the system is so, sort of convoluted. But yes, you even see it in, in China where if there's no economic growth, they've got issues. They've got social issues underlying it. So yes, it works. It works until there's no economic growth. Then they've also got the same issues. So, But that's all that, that's all big picture debate, communism, socialism, you know, that, that whole big debate, and that's not something we can solve in a, in a weekly wrap. But I think that the, the point I want to make is, is, so you've got problems in the US, you've got problems problems in the UK, um, which is, the UK is almost very similar. It's also you've got Labour versus the old the old guard, if you want to put it that way. Um, and, and then in the rest of Europe, you've got exactly the same issues. Let me just quickly tell you about the UK at the moment, because Nigel Farage, or Farage as I called him, as I call him, as Farage. I mean, it's it's it's, it's mm -hmm. Nigel Farage. He has started a party eight weeks ago called the Brexit mm -hmm. Party, and it's mm -hmm. swept the board with the uh, in the European elections. It came very close to a by-election victory over the Labour Party, which held the seat in a place called Peterborough. It, there were six hundred and eighty-two votes away from getting it, and suddenly in mm -hmm. eight weeks. They've captured the mood of the people. And exactly. if there was a general election tomorrow, I would imagine that they would probably be challenging to form a government. And it wasn't even in existence eight weeks ago. That yep. is how politically, yep. how politically uh, messed up the United Kingdom is. And in South Africa, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we don't have this vibrant uh, political 
environment that allows people to, to choose. We've got the ANC, and the ANC, because of infighting, can't actually say we're in the luxurious position of having another five years, we can do what we like. They don't yep, seem to yep. know what to do. And that's one of the things that disturbs me. Yeah, so so look, so 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 let's yeah, let's move back to South Africa where we started. Yes. So you've got this whole political game going on, and you've got clearly factions, and there's there's different economic uh, points of view at play, or, or fighting one another, if you put it, want to put it that way. Then you've got in the run up to this, we had very weak economic growth, with what was looking like benign inflation, and you had the Reserve Bank that was saying we're not going to cut because we are scared the rand might sell off. Um, so, so, so that's the backdrop. And then you had GDP dropping by minus 3% quarter on quarter. On a one year-on-year -year number, the, the economy was flat, but that's obviously a nominal number. Um, so you, you've got a, a very scary picture here because the Reserve Bank is, is sort of painting itself into a corner. It's, it's saying, well, you look, we're trying to protect the rand. That's why we couldn't cut. Um, and 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 the the populist side of is saying, but look, we've got economic, no economic growth. There's no job growth. We need to create an economy here. You don't want to cut. Yet the inflation is actually below within the target band, which you, as the Reserve Bank, has no chance to a 4.5 instead of a three to six percent. And that's, I think, where the whole debate comes in. So I've, I've, we do have problems. I'll, I'll admit that. Um, and, and yes, we do need to maybe look at the mandate and how it's implemented. Yes, we have to maybe relook at that because in the in economy, in a country where you've got 27% um, um, unemployment, excluding people that's discouraged, I mean, if, if you add them back, it's, it's, it's more than 50%. We need to do something differently because clearly what we've done up until now is not working. So somebody needs to make policy um, choices that's, might have to be different and might have to be somewhat scary in the beginning. But, the, uh, the, you know, the, the path we're heading on now, uh, it's not going to work. And it hasn't worked up, up until now. So I think that that's the backdrop of it. And, and like I said, we just need to remember that it's not only in South Africa. The same thing is happening in the United States where the Federal Reserve is also under attack from the president. The problem that, that the politicians don't recognize and it might be because they're not entirely economically skilled or, or whatever you want to educated, mm. is that if South Africa were to try and do something like a quantitative easing, the country's going to go to the dogs. We're not yes. the United States. The, the, the dollar is, is the reserve currency for the world. That's the only reason they could do quantitative easing. So, but the rand is, is very fleeting. It's, it's, not a, it's not a reserve currency for anything. And so uh, that's the first emerging market currency that would be sold down if we made the wrong choices. And I hopefully this last move in the rant shows the politicians something and, and it, it hopefully gives them something to take home and to think about um, before making utterances like this. And I think what the market's asking for is market participants, because the market's not a person, market yeah. participants is merely just asking for clarity and policy certainty. That's all it wants. And if 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 the the infighting within the ANC can just be done behind closed doors, and after they've done the fighting, come out with one message, 
then I think we've got certainty. But in the current guys, you know, it becomes it becomes problematic. Um, but but pulling this into the actual market, and I'm just before we get onto the market, I just wanted I've just mm-hmm. been scribbling away here. Singapore did it. Singapore turned its economy around. Uh, Singapore was a wild, unruly mm-hmm. uh, fishing port, seaport, mm-hmm. and it's, it's now one of the most successful economies in the world for its size. China has done it in the last 25 years. The most extraordinary success story. Singapore did it in a little bit longer, but I mean, from the 1950s to 1980, it transformed itself into an economic powerhouse. Uh, Rwanda has done it and turned its economy into a powerhouse. Again, it's smaller and probably more nimble, so could so could do it. South Africa, for the last 25 years of democracy, has gone backwards. It started off very well because of euphoria about the democratic process. Since then, we've gone we've gone backwards, and we should be ashamed of ourselves. Yeah, look, I, I think I think we made a couple of mistakes, and um, I, I've said this five years ago, um, well, might, might have been longer ago, after the first time I've, I've been in Hong Kong, I came back and I said, look, the only way we can, we can, we can probably position South Africa within Africa is to be the gatekeeper into Africa. And um, then due to taking the wrong policy decisions and you know, making businesses of Africa extremely difficult, um, we just, I mean, we are not. So a person coming in from the United States or, or the UK can go directly to, to one of the African countries. Um, not all of them, but some of them. Um, and just skipping South Africa, basically. If we had 10 years ago said, look, what we want to be is something like a Hong Kong for China. We would like to be South Africa for Africa. If it was something like that, we tried to create. There was policy in place. There was a plan in place. And, but we didn't do that. Um, and, and I think that the, the whole debate that's currently on the go is, is that you've got the side that wants quick fixes, um, the, the likes of quantitative easing and that type of thing, which is a quick fix, but you pay, ultimately you would pay very long-suffering pain, or you would have to take a very longer-term view, like a Singapore type of example, where you would have to make it easy to do business, uh, take out the red tape, you might suffer for another two years, three years, but you'll 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 have you'll reap the benefits after after you've put in the work. Um, that's what Ramaphosa, I think, is slowly trying to do. Um, but now you've got this infighting, so you you know that doesn't give them the chance to implement this. And also, it, it's very difficult if you're starting with fifty odd percent unemployment, mm. and most of the people that's unemployed is under the age of thirty five. So it's not even old people. Um, it's very young people that that's unemployed and and mostly unfortunately uneducated to a certain extent. Yes. So there, there's very little skills that you can develop. So you would have to take that bunch of people, give them skills, and then build the economy. So and that's going to take time. It's it's not something you can do within six months or, or one year. And as we all know, politicians that's the one thing they don't always have is time. Um, unless you're in a one one party country like Singapore, like 
like China. Like South Africa. Africa. Excuse me, what do you mean? South Africa is also a one-party state. It's the ANC consistently getting 60%, sometimes more, 55 to 60% majority. And it's going to happen, it's it's going to continue into the next election and the election after that, which is the point I've always been making. They have the luxurious position of being able to implement long-term plans with no repercussions, Mm -hmm. and they don't do it. They just fight amongst themselves and put in short-term plans, increase benefits, and don't do anything for the economy. It's shameful. Yeah, look, so, so yeah, let me rephrase that. It's on, a one-party state with power, with power within in the party to have decisions. So as soon as you've got factions, remember the ANC, I mean, there's, if people want to educate themselves on the ANC and its history, there's, there's a book about the founder of the ANC, and that it goes back... An astonishing long time. It's not. It's, it's not a new movement. It's something that's been there for years, and um, it's it's had its problems in the beginning already because of infighting, and uh, you know, and, and and it just seems as though we're having it again. So, and one must also remember there's a, it's it was a tripartite alliance between different entities, and those entities have very different views. The Communist Party had very different views to what the ANC had. So now you're trying to pull all these factions together, and I think that's why it's not a one-party. It is a one-party state that wins the majority, yes, the ANC, but within the party, there's quite a few factions, and clearly we can see it now. They're fighting within the party. Um, So you would have to, and that's that's the most informative thing I think I've read this week, is that you would have to, the ANC would have to go back and actually change the structures within the organization, um, to give the leader and the, maybe the NEC enough power to act on the on, on 2017 decisions that was uh, you know that the manifesto that that was decided on at at Nasrik. Um but but it seems as though we're not getting there because they're forever fighting who's in power who's got the power and it's it's just a mess um, yeah but yeah so it's a one party state but a very disjointed party within itself. We're going to take um, a break now, Arne. We're going to come back with the second part of the weekly wrap, and we're going to talk about markets, particularly the RAND, the implications of the demise of the RAND, uh, the end of earnings season, and all sorts of other things as well. So the weekly wrap will be back in a moment. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za.